This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, and open it to Romans chapter 6. And I sure do thank the Lord that He brought uh, Tracy back to us. What a blessing she's been to our family and uh, our church. Glad you're here, Tracy. Open your Bibles to Romans 6. Now, Thursday and Friday are going to be a special day here at Vision if you're able to come and you teach the Bible in Sunday school or any other time and you spend time teaching the Bible. Starting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Pastor Scott Toole from Rosedale Baptist Church uh, in the Baltimore, Maryland area will be teaching on Bible exposition and how to study the Bible, how to preach and teach the Bible. And I think you'd enjoy that. So I invite you, if you can come and be here at 1 o'clock on this Thursday. It doesn't cost you anything. You have to get your own meals this year. Uh, but we'll start at 1 o'clock and we'll have the evening service. It'll be over on Friday at noon. It's 24 hours. I invite you to part- participate in that. Take your Bible, if you would. Go with me to Romans chapter 6. And let's read the first 10 verses, if you would. The Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead doth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Would you go back with me, if you would, up to uh, verse uh, 4. And you can underline this phrase. And that's what I'm calling this message to you today. Raised to walk in newness of life. Underline in verse 4, walk in newness of life. We were raised to walk in newness of life. Father in heaven, I pray that you would deal with our hearts today. I pray that you would teach us something wonderful about your grace, that you would help us, Lord, to seek out holiness and to live out who we are and who you've made us. I pray, God, that your name will be glorified today, and I pray, God, that the text would speak to our hearts and and you would get honored by how we treat this text the way you do. God, I pray you'd give us your wisdom and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have... Uh, any notes or you want to take some here in the scripture this is a powerful passage we have just finished romans 5 in romans 5 we found out that we are saved by the grace of god that it wasn't what i did it's what jesus did he saved me when i don't deserve it romans 5 20 is one of those verses that many people are afraid of i remember teaching in Nadikipa one time i was teaching on romans 5 20 and i said here where great where sin did abound grace did much more abound and i explained to them that hey his grace is greater than our sin and one of the ladies in the church she said that you can't teach that 
If you teach that people will sin, you can't teach that God's got more grace than they got sin. You got to keep them doing right. And she just really took me to task. So today, as I go through this passage of scripture, maybe you'll learn something that you could take home. I think will change your life. It'll be exciting to you. First thing I want you to see here is our response to his great grace. When you hear about his great grace, when you hear how good a God he is, when you hear that he loved you when you didn't even love him, when you hear that he loved you while you were still a sinner, when you hear that you are in Adam and condemned and then in Christ and resurrected, which you got out of Romans chapter 5, and you say, man, what about this great grace? Maybe somebody would dare to say, I'll just go live in sin. But look at what it says in Romans 6, 1. Are you ready? Read this out loud with me. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2. We're going to read the two verses. And this ought to be your attitude when the thought of the great grace of God comes into your mind. What shall we say? Come on, help me. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Boy, look at this. It's like he almost screams. Somebody says, hey, that grace is so good, you could take advantage of it. And Paul said, what? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may about God forbid. How can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That ought to be what we recognize. Now, let me just go through some things with you. His grace is greater than our sin. We, uh, we are totally wicked. We were totally wicked. We did not deserve to be saved, but he saved us. You need to recognize who you were. You need to recognize who you were before you got saved. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Sometimes I think that people that have been saved and raised in the South and raised in church, they got this inflated idea of themselves. We kind of think, that's a pretty good guy. God, God, God got, got something good when he got me. I mean, there's a lot of bad people in the world. And maybe over in Africa and Asia and South America, there's some of those wicked guys. And maybe in California, but not me. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good catch. But that's not what the Bible would say about you. The Bible would say that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible would say that the wages of sin is death. The Bible would say there's none righteous, no, not one. And so you need to realize, well, you got great grace when you got saved. God loved you in spite of you, and he saved you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous, the not rights, the not holies, the not goods shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Fornicators, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now stop just a second. He might not get get you on all of them. He might not get me on all of them. But there might just be a couple of them he might get you on. Look, he says, hey, the unrighteous, the not rights, the not rights, the not perfects will not inherit the kingdom of God. The not perfects will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't trick yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. If you're a fornicator, and you know, honestly, probably there's more fornicating went on in this room than we'd ever admit. People that had sex outside of marriage, whether it was uh, pornography or whether it was lustful consideration of of the person of the opposite sex or whether it was actual fornication, idolaters, we are in 
uh, Alpharetta coming for South Fulton County area. Did you know what the biggest sin of idolatry is? Covetousness. Wanting stuff. I bet I'm looking at a whole heap of idolaters. I know you are. I know you're looking at a guy that has wanted a lot of stuff. I mean, I see stuff, you know, you know, the, you know, the uh, iPad comes out, man, I want one. They make a new one tomorrow. I got a real good one now, but I just want that next one whenever they come out with it. You say, that's, that's, you're, you're wicked. I know you're not. I praise the Lord for that. I'm just so happy that none of y'all have that problem. New cars don't interest you. New clothes don't interest you. You're not looking for a new raise. You're not looking for more money. I know I'm just so pleased with your not being an idolater. How about an adulterer, effeminate? How about abuser themselves of mankind, thieves? Now, you know, none of us have ever stolen anything. We only steal in a way that we kind of uh, make it okay. You know, the company gives you uh, uh, ink pens to use. And so your whole house is full of those ink pens. They really didn't give them to you so your kids wouldn't need one at school. I mean, when the company said, we will give you a new ink pen, they didn't mean every day. They didn't mean two a day. They didn't mean so everybody at your house could have a new ink pen. They didn't mean when they said you could have two pairs of work boots every day, every year, that you got one for you and one for your son. They didn't mean, they didn't mean when they said, hey, you can, that you could start selling the junk you take from the company. They just didn't really mean that. Uh, you know, so most of us have more of a thieving issue than we'd like to admit. Now, I'm a thief. I'll just go ahead and honestly admit it. I started stealing when I was young. I was stealing when I was about seven years old, stealing candy bars. I was hardened, hardened criminal. I was a thief when I stole all the answers I could on every test I could. I remember being in the second grade, and there was one other guy, and we were both the best students in math. He was one a little bit better than me, and so I made a regular habit of checking my answers with his work, amen? I was in the second grade. I was checking, so him and the teacher plotted one day to change all the answers on his test to a wrong answer, and I got zeros on that entire test. I got, I was a thief. You ever, none of y'all ever stole, did you? Not, nobody ever stole anybody else's homework. Nobody ever plagiarized, come on. Uh, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. None of those guys are gonna make it to heaven. Verse 11, and such were some of you. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. If you got your Bible, I just have really put in great big bold letters, but, but, but. Why don't you look at that verse, but, but, but. He says in verse 11, and such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified. We ought to realize God's grace is a lot greater than our sin. We ought to realize God's grace is a lot greater than us. We ought to realize, man, I know where I was. I know where I was headed. I know what I could have done. I know who I could be. There's nothing that we can do to make him love us more and nothing we can do to make him love us less. What a great God you serve. He didn't start loving me because I was a good guy. He didn't start loving me because I treated him right and did right. He started loving me while I was still a sinner. He loved me first. What great grace he had for me. This is not a performance-based relationship. This is not a performance-based relationship. This is not a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where it's, uh, let's see what you're pulling off and what you're not, and I'll get rid of you. This great grace came. It might cause some of us to think that we could take advantage and sin uh, even more. Look at Romans 4, 5 with me, if you would. In Romans chapter 4, and verse 5, the Bible says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. There are two phrases in Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 that jump off the page that are just really wild. Look at it, would you? It says, 
worketh not. Would you circle those two words? You know what he does? He saves those that work not. He saves those that don't do stuff. He saves those that aren't putting out an effort. He saves people that aren't doing good. He saves those that worketh not. If you're saved this morning, he didn't save you based on what you did. He saved you because he's a good and gracious and merciful God. Can you say amen right there? He, he saves those that work not. It's not, hey, here's the 22 rules you got to keep and maybe he'll save you. He said, I save those of you who work not. You say, well, I just don't think I can go with that. I think you're stretching it. Read the verse with me. Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. He saves them that worketh not, but believe on him that. And then look at this phrase. Wild. Justifies the ungodly. He's the one who justifies the ungodly. He doesn't justify the godly. He doesn't justify those that don't need it. He said, I make right the ungodly. I make right the wrong ones. I make right the guys that don't deserve it. We are saved by great grace. Amen. We are saved by great grace. There's a great error on either side of this equation. Some would say that since his grace is so great, we should just take advantage of it. And did I just tell some of you have really got a really bad doctrine when you got the once saved, always saved doctrine. The Bible is very clear about eternal security. And so I believe in once saved, always saved, if you understood that correctly. But some of you take once saved, always saved. What it means is when you were two and a half, your mama said you prayed a prayer. And you got saved and you've been saved forever. And so you can live any way you want. I got saved when I was four. I'm saved by grace. And so that means I'll just live like the stinking devil. Let me give you a hint. You didn't get saved. You didn't get saved. That's not real salvation. You see, that's not real salvation. Once you really get saved, you will always be saved. But don't you dare walk away with the idea, I'm saved. I can live any way I want. On the same side is the idea that you can't tell people about grace because they'll never do right. Man, we're scared of grace. Preachers love being able to hold a heavy, heavy hangs over your head. You better tithe and you better give and you better and you better and you better. And we like to hang all these you betters on top of people. But let me just explain something to you. We're saved by grace. We're saved by good and wonderful and merciful, long-suffering and kind God. Others would say that people need rules to get them to do right. We need to enforce, push, preach. To make them conform. While others would say we should have no law. And others would say we should have all law. Now I need to say before I move on. We're going to work through Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 10. Lord willing. I want you to understand something. Born again people don't continue to live in sin. Now watch this. Look at me. Hey look at me. Listen to me. When you're saved by grace God does a work in you. He saves you and changes you. But your practice changes or you get chastised and disciplined. Look if you would at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How could we? We have died to sin. That is so foreign to many of us. We got saved and sin's just like a regular thing for us. Not honoring God's like a regular thing for us. But when you're a born again Christian, something happened to you. The Bible says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. You might put a circle around that word commit and take it over. And what it's talking about there is a continual committing. It's like practicing. So how do you know that? Well, in 1 John 1, 9, you're told to confess your sin. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, if you sin, 
If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. So there is the possibility that a born-again Christian sins. We will sin. And when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. But look at me. Listen to me. That's not our practice. A born-again Christian doesn't continue to practice sin. It's not his lifestyle. If sin is your lifestyle, you are very likely not born again. If sin is your lifestyle and you haven't been chastened, disciplined, spanked by the Lord, you are very likely not saved. You say, well, how much sin can you get away with before you know you aren't saved? Have no idea. Old Lot was a pretty wicked guy. And I would have never thought he was saved until I get to the New Testament and find out he was just Lot. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Sin is now foreign to who we are. You understand that? Sin is foreign to who we are. We died to sin and we turned from it. Are you ready? Write this down somewhere. We have no reason and no excuse to sin. We should not live in sin any longer. We are new creatures. We are new creatures. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Your Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, one day he'll become a new creature. What's it say? He is a new creature. Old things hopefully will soon pass away. No, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God did a miraculous work in us when he saved us. We are saved by the grace of God and he did a miraculous work in us. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible says, You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I am no longer the guy I used to be. I am a born-again Christian. I am a child of God. I am a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. We would never want to take advantage of such great love, mercy, grace, and sacrifice. We have repented of our sin and we have turned to Jesus. We do not want what we had before. We got sick of sin and satisfied in Jesus. We found life in Christ. Read with me Romans 6, 1 and 2 again. Read with me. Get what it says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I know God's a good God and I know God forgave me and I know God loved me when I didn't deserve it. So I think I'll take advantage of it. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? Than, hey man, I, I turned my back on sin. I turned to Jesus. I don't want sin. I was sick of sin and I'm satisfied in Jesus. I used to be going this way and I, I turned and I turned to Jesus. I said, I'm dead to you and alive to him. That's the old life. That's the new life. That's who I was. This is who I am. Amen. Amen? Amen. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. Second thing I wish you'd notice, if you would, go with me to chapter 6 and verse 3. Know what happened when you got saved. Look what happened when you got saved, right here in the scripture. Verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, I want you to take your Bible. I want you to look at what's happening. In verse, in verse uh, 3, we were baptized into Jesus Christ. Now look here in a second. That's not what happened at that tank. It's not what happened in water. 
That's what happened when God saved you. He picked up a dirty, wicked sinner who lived in Adam, and he picked him up and he immersed him. He plunged him. He inserted him into the body of Jesus Christ. He said, you are now in Christ. I have put you into the body of Christ. You were in the body of Adam. Romans 5, do you remember? Adam brought death and Jesus brought life. I was in Adam dying and I'm now in Jesus living. I was in Adam sinning and rebelling and now I'm in Jesus. I have been baptized. I've been placed into him. We were in Adam. We are now in Christ. We had all the traits and the characteristics of Adam. We were going to die just like Adam was going to die. We wanted to sin just like Adam wanted to sin. We had the same way of thinking, the same way of doing stuff like Adam. But now I'm in Christ and I have his characteristics. His death, Jesus' death is real for us. We died in him. We were placed into his death. Look, if you would, at Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you guys not know? That as many of us as were baptized or placed into Jesus, we were baptized into his death. Do you guys not know that? Do you not know that when you were placed into Christ, you were placed into his death? In verse 4, we were buried with him by baptism into death. That like as though Christ was raised from the dead, we are. Galatians 2.20. Boy, I preached this wrong so many years of my life. I used to preach, you need to die to yourself. You need to die to yourself. That's what Galatians 2.20 says, but that's not what it says. Look at what Galatians 2.20 says. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. I don't need to be crucified with Christ. I'm not hoping to be crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me tell you what happened. Look at this way a second. I got saved. And when I got saved, God took me and he placed me into the body of Christ. He placed me into the person of Christ. He placed me. He took me out of Adam and out of who I was. And he put me into somebody that I wasn't. I am now in Christ. As in Christ, we have died to sin and turned from sin to him. We don't want to sin. We don't want to sin. We repented. We turned to Christ. We haven't turned. We have turned to the Lord Jesus, and now we seek what he seeks. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. We walk in newness of life. We are completely identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. We left our old life for this new life. You understand what happened? When I got saved, I said no to the world, no to my past, no to my sin, no to my desires. And I said, man, I don't want that anymore. I die to that. I turn from that. It's dead to me. I have no desire for that anymore. And I turned and I walked into Jesus Christ. I'm in Jesus now. I said, no, yes, dead, alive, new creature, new person, new everything. I have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. I have decided to follow him. I've decided follow Jesus I want you to understand something when you read Romans chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 and 6 or 4 and 5 you may or 3 4 and 5 you may think of water baptism but it's not about water baptism now we're gonna make an application but it's not really about water baptism it's about what happened on the day I got saved he took me out of where I was And he put me into Jesus Christ. I was in Adam. I was everything Adam had. Adam was the captain of my boat. Adam was the captain of my life. And Adam was taking me downhill. But now he took me off of that one and put me into Christ. Now I'd like to talk to you just a little bit about baptism. This baptism speaks of being placed into Christ. 
placed into Christ. It speaks of our identifying ourselves with him. It speaks of me standing up and saying, I now identify myself with Jesus Christ. I am with Christ. And God placed me in Christ. You know, yesterday we had a little wedding. And a girl came out and said in front of everybody, I say no to my past. I say no to my family. And I say yes to a new family. And she left Troyan and became Elsie. And she said in front of everybody, I now choose you. I follow you. She said it in front of everybody. She repeated that. Well, that's a very small, minor comparison to what happened. But I chose to follow Jesus because of the work of the Lord. This is not about water baptism in particular. There is a great comparison, though. In water baptism, the following things still take place, just like these verses say, down from 3 down to 5. And I'd like to talk to you just a second about water baptism. You know, when you get baptized in water, what you're doing is saying outwardly what God did inwardly. You see, baptism is doesn't, water baptism doesn't put you into the body of Christ. Water baptism doesn't save you. Water baptism is only a symbol of everything that God did in you. Just like my wearing this wedding ring is not my marriage. It is simply a symbol. It's been on my finger for 40 years, this exact same ring. I've been wearing it. It's a $32 ring Betty bought me a long time ago. That's because it was a lot uh, cheaper back then. But that's a $32 ring, right? probably worth $300 now. Same amount of gold and everything. But still, $32 ring, and I still got it on my finger. I still got it on my finger. It's a symbol. And here's what happens when you get water baptized. If you're a born-again believer, you ought to want to stand up and publicly say, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me, and I'm using it. And baptism was a common thing in the church. They understood that. So when Paul writes the Romans, everybody understood it. And so here's some things that happen. When you get water baptized, you are publicly saying, I am publicly wanting to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am wanting to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happens. He puts us in. He puts us into Christ, and I want to stand up and say, I want to identify with Christ. By the way, you do know that everything we did at the wedding yesterday was purely for show. All those decisions were made long ago. I mean, honestly, do you really think when I look at her and say, do you really want him? She's going to go, no, I don't really, I don't even know how I got here. I don't know who put me in this white dress. I don't know who brought me up here to the front. I don't know why my daddy brought me up here and dumped me off. I mean, I really, no. Actually, what had happened was that decision had already been made and we were just making a public testimony a very expensive public <laughs> testimony i mean daddies end up after those weddings with no money in their bill for and their credit card bill is higher but it, and it's all to say hey i mean was there any surprise you know i never asked that question they always say you know in the old wedding vows you say is there anybody here that has any reason these two shouldn't get married i don't ever ask that because i've been in church long enough to know there's some yeah who's gonna say yeah i do uh, so I never asked that question, but I, you know, I do ask, Hey, are you taking her? And, and, and you know what? That's the only, I've never had one so far that said, Nope, don't even know how I got here. Never had that happen. When I get baptized, what I'm saying is, yes, I have identified with Christ and yes, I have been placed into Christ and I just want everybody to know it. Now I am publicly saying it yesterday. If you drove on the campus of the, of the Barry college, you'd have seen sign after sign. Hey, we're going over here to get, that's the LZ marriage. And you got up there and said, happily ever after starts right here and everything. And then we walk in the room and everything, the whole world's waiting on them. They're just making a public profession. And when you get baptized, you're saying, I personally publicly say, I love Jesus. I've decided to follow him and I want everybody to know it. 
We identify with his death and burial and resurrection. You see, when you are a saved person, you believe Jesus died for your sin. You believe that Jesus paid your sin debt. You believe that he was buried literally, physically for three days and three nights he was in the tomb. And you believe that. And you believe that he rose again and you're identifying publicly. I believe in Jesus. That's why you're going to put me down. That's why you're going to pull me up. You're going to say, I now know it was Jesus who did it all. Look in the verses, Romans 6, 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we also walk in newness of life. If we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we'll be in the likeness of his resurrection. Several times it's saying he died, he was buried, he rose. He died, he buried, he rose. That's what I'm saying. When I get baptized, I'm saying I really believe this. We acknowledge that God raised him from the dead. We publicly state that we turn from who we were to who we are in him. We state that we have died to sin and we want to live in Christ. We hunger for the new life found in Christ. We acknowledge that his saving us will take us to this newness of life. Not the water, not the church, and not my effort. Everything we have as believers is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Why have you not publicly identified with the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism? You know, I, would, I have a strong question for you. If you're a born-again believer, why haven't you publicly identified? Why haven't you said, hey, everybody stop and listen. I just want everybody to know I have followed Jesus Christ. I have believed him. I've trusted him for what he did on the cross of Calvary. And I publicly want to identify with that. You should be baptized if you've not. It ought to be a public testimony from you. The next thing I want you to notice, I want you to understand your new reality. I want you to understand your new reality. And this is hard for us. It kind of goes against the grain, but it's what the scriptures say. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that's dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he dieth, he dieth unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Here's some things you ought to mark down in, in that chapter. Number one, the old man is crucified with Christ. Underline that in verse 6. The old man is crucified with him. The old man is crucified with him. That's the truth. The old man's dead. The body of sin is destroyed. These are spiritual truths. What do they mean? Maybe I can help you with that in a second. Look what it says. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That we henceforth should not serve sin. Second thing I want you to notice is we are not to serve sin now. We're not to serve sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Now listen to what I will tell you. Before you get saved, sin has power over you. Sin owns you and controls you and rules you. But when you got saved, the body of sin is destroyed the old man is crucified. You no longer have an excuse about sin. Sin does not have power over you. We are freed from sin. That's in verse 7. Underline it. We are freed from sin. Sin no longer has power over us. The power of sin has been broken, destroyed. You have no excuse for sin. You have no excuse for sin. Well, my life. You know, I've been dealing with Christians, especially in the Southeast cultural Christians. Uh, uh, and, 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 you know, it's like the devil made me do it. I can't help it. It's my old nature rising up. I just can't help it. I just can't beat sin. 
Romans 6 says this, quit lying. You have no excuse. We are dead to Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that Christ, not dead to Christ, in Christ. What shall we say then? Shall, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That does not mean you can't sin. Doesn't mean that you won't sin. Does not mean that you're not tempted to sin. It simply means you have no excuse to sin. Nothing forces you to sin. You have the power and the ability to live a godly life. Now you look at me, listen to me. Make you mad, you can be mad as you want. But not one person in this room can't quit lying unless you're not saved. Not one person in this room can't quit drinking. Not one person in this room can't quit being a drunkard. Not one person in this room. You don't, don't you dare come and say, I just can't help it. I had one young guy come to me years ago. In my first church, he came to me and he said, you know, I just don't have power over temptation. I love looking at girls when they have much clothes on. And every time I do, I think things I ought not think. And I said, well, I said, you don't have to do that. You have power over sin. Sin is not rule over you. You have no excuse for sin. He said, would you show me the verse? And I showed him Romans 6. And he said, would you pray with me? And I prayed with him. He was going about an hour and he came back and said, didn't work. And I said, what happened? He said, I went down to the swimming pool to see if I still want to look at them girls. And I did. But see, he went down there. You have no excuse. You have no excuse. Notice the truths that are mentioned here. Truth number one, we should not serve sin. We should not serve sin. Verse six, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, hey, from now on, we should not serve sin. The power of sin is canceled. The old guy is dead. He has no power, no more power over us. That doesn't mean you won't sin, but you cannot go around saying, I just can't help it, man. You just don't understand. That's the way I am. That's the way I am. I just can't help it. I just can't help it. I really can't help it. That's not true if you're a born-again believer. If you're a born-again believer, you have power in Christ to live the victorious life he made you for. Verse 7, we are freed. We have been freed from sin. He that is dead is freed from sin what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound god forbid how shall we that are dead live any longer therein we're dead to sin how shall we that live any longer therein if we died with christ we are we died with christ so that we might live with him verse 8 now if we be dead with christ we believe that we shall also live with him I walked into Christ and I said, Lord, I, I want to leave my old life. And that's when I got baptized. I even said the old man is under and a new man is raised to walk in newness of life. It was a testimony. And you know what I'm saying? I, I don't want that old life. That's not who I am. We, we died so that we might live with him. Verse 8. Verse 10. We in him died to sin once to live to God. Verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth. He liveth unto God. Now you look this way just a second. I'm closing. But look this way. You are raised to walk in newness of life. Now this, hey, that doesn't mean temptation's gone. Doesn't mean you won't sin anymore. But it does mean this. Are you ready? You have no excuse for sin. Can't help it. Devil made me do it. Nope. Doesn't have that kind of power. Can't help it, man. The old guy in me, he still just runs the show around here. No, he doesn't. You might let him. We'll find out later in the chapter, he's going to say, you can yield to him. But he, has that, no, he doesn't have that power. That power is gone. He has no power to make you sin. You are not a puppet. 
You are not a puppet. You're not on strings. No one's yanking your chain and making you sin. When you sin, you choose to sin. You're a responsible agent. We are dead to sin. Number five, why do we sin? With this, I quit. Why do we sin? Because we choose to sin. Write it down. We choose to sin. You can yield to sin or you can yield to holiness. Romans 6 is going to say that. You're a free agent now. Before you were a slave, you're not a slave anymore. The old slave master's dead. His power's gone. He can't control us any longer. When I sin, it's because I choose to. Maybe we sin because we still remember who we were and we want what we had. It's like we said no to the world and turn to Christ, but we're kind of walking like this. I love Jesus. And maybe you're like the wife of Lot and you want to look back all the time. That might be why, but nobody's making you. No one's making you. Righteousness and holiness ought to be a part of our lives. We do not fill our hearts with the truth of who we are in Christ. You need to find out who you are. You need to find out what your rights are. You need to find out what your privileges are. You are freed from sin. The old man's been crucified. The power of sin's been destroyed. You are a free guy. You're to live to God. You can. You can. You have these privileges. I can remember as a young man when I was a young preacher. You know, as a pastor, especially back in the old days, you could go in the hospital and go anywhere you wanted as a pastor. Man, they'd let you go back into all the rooms and talk to everybody. And I was brand new at it. And I knew, man, you ain't allowed in that hospital. And then people are going to stop you. And they're going to do all this junk to you. And so I'd walk in. And I'd be kind of sheepishly walking, kind of scared because I didn't know who I was. And first thing you'd know, somebody stopped me. What are you doing? I'm a pastor. And my members are sick back here. And they'd say, you can't visit. Now, these aren't visiting ours. So I was with my buddy. And my buddy, he had it all down. Same age as me. We came walking in. He said, just act like I act. We'd walk in there. Click, click, click. He just walking like he owned the place. In fact, people say, hey, doctor. And he'd go, I'm not a doctor. Pastor, you need some spiritual help. I'll be glad to help you. Nobody stopped him. He said, if you quit acting like you didn't have the authority, they'd know you had the authority. That's where many of you are today. You have power over sin. You can live victorious, but you're like, I don't think I can beat sin. I think sin's got me beat. Ooh, ooh. It's hard to be a Christian. Ooh. No, it's hard to be. It's impossible. But you have been freed. You have no excuse. You can be a godly person. You can live for God. You were raised to walk in newness of life. We do not act on what we know. We have not realized that we do not have to serve sin. So we keep making excuses. (laughs) I can't help it. I can't help it. I can't help it. Yes, you can. Because God already helped it. Amen. God helped it. God helped it. He put to death that old man. He destroyed the body of sin. He made you die in Christ. He gave you a new life. You're to face Jesus and serve him. Will you continue to make excuses that enable yourself to abuse the goodness and the grace of God? Are you just going to keep making excuses? Or will you choose today that what he has done and say no to sin and yes to holiness? I have a question for you. What will we do with such great grace? I got a verse. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? Therein, you were raised to walk in newness of life. Now get out of here and walk in who you are. In Christ, you have victory. Sin does not defeat you. Nobody in this room has to shuffle your feet, hang your head, and hope to God you can do good. You're a born-again Christian. You're a new creature. 
We'll get the rest of Romans 6 later, but you got it. Walk in newness of life. Father in heaven, I love you. I pray that your name will be honored and glorified. I pray that you'd help your people to see the truth and apply it to their lives. And I'll give you great glory for what you do. You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.